Hello, I'm Tanya Kabuya. I am a business and marketing strategist, also a business coach. Hello, and welcome to Obehi Podcast. I'm your host, Obehi Ewanfo, and I strongly believe that everyone has a story to share. Now, let's get started with this episode. And I work with consultants on one side, on the coaching side of the business, consultant coaches that are looking to get more corporate tech, venture-backed um, tech companies as clients in order to scale, as well as consult with tech startups, particularly in the fintech and SaaS space. Uh, do you want to tell me how you got started uh, in business? What, what led you into business? This is actually an interesting story because I was thinking about it even recently. How the hell did I end up in business? And I think it actually started as a young child because I grew up watching businesses in a way. And what I mean is my mom had a curious shop at the market. She used to sell at a market. So I grew up watching her have a business to bring up the children, but also in the media. I grew up watching shows in South Africa, such as Generation, we are constantly so um, Connie Ferguson play Karabo Moroka, most South Africans will know, every day, Monday to Friday, 8 p.m. hours on in front of the TV, watching Karabo Moroka head an advertising company. And that is the kind of like full circle moment that I had this year when I was thinking about it. And then another influence was definitely Nollywood. Um, we started watching Nollywood movies back then every Saturday and Sundays because we would rent out movies because my mom could not afford to give us money to go to the movies. So we would go rent out movies. There was a local Nigerian guy who had a, a shop where we could rent out movies. And I would watch Rita Dominic play the boss. I would watch Omotola, Jalede, play the boss. And this was constant in Yedo, all those things. So this perspective of being an entrepreneur kind of happened like that, that it was such a possibility, though it was subconscious. Then eventually when I got into corporate, the usual thing, burnout, like tired, always working, never having time. I find myself working often Monday to Sundays, and I think anybody in corporate will admit to this. They tell you it's nine to five, but most of the time you end up working nine to ten because you take work home and you work on weekends as well. So I think at the point I just got tired and I wanted something different. And I started looking into that and I stumbled into freelancing, which I started doing. I became a done for you copywriter because I had a knack for writing. A product designer white label where I would design the product and sell the sell the licensing for the product that I had my intellectual property to another company or another entrepreneur that could claim that it was theirs. And as well as final building, because I, I was a little bit techy. So that's kind of like started like that. Freelancing eventually evolved into having primarily an online business in terms of coaching, and that eventually evolves into consulting as well for corporate. So in a nutshell, that's how it works. And uh, how do you feel about uh, this um, 
different tap in the business now because now you have of course gotten experience in it because you've been doing it for some time now so you've sort of um, uh, uh, have a solid background in it now that you have built of course uh, after what you have learned also from your parents uh, tell me about your feeling this is important for me um Honestly, I think that it's something that is not spoken about as often. It's not shown a lot. Um, I, I'm grateful that in recent years in Africa, we are seeing um, a lot of, of things being done in terms of digital, digitally native businesses, such as fintech, tech, and stuff. But there's still a lot of just um, eyes look, looking at tech Whereas the digital space is such a beautiful ecosystem. I mean, literally you can create a business with your intellectual property. And what I mean by that is just you selling what you know, whether you sell it as a course to other people looking to get into similar field or to learn what you do, because that's another amazing course, or actually selling your skills to the highest bidder to other entrepreneurs at the businesses but it is not as spoken as much it's something that a lot of people still look at and find at oh you make money from instagram oh you make money from facebook because i started my business on facebook and instagram before i moved to linkedin uh, i incorporated linkedin so a lot of people for a lot of people it's, it's such a foreign concept that you can turn social media into a business and it's something that we are looking to change especially on the continent because I believe that it is a path to create economic freedom for many, as well as create employment for others because digitally native businesses can offer you the best of both worlds where you have freedom of lifestyle, where you can work from anywhere that you want, as well as the ability to earn money if you have the skills. Mm-hmm. All right. So what you were saying before, I sort of find it uh, very interesting that, okay, now, um, apart from what you were learning from your parents, you were also going to learn from uh, Nollywood, the Nigerian film that were getting to South Africa. So you were sort of uh, learning from uh, something from the actress or the actor that you made mention of. Um, so what I'm sort of getting into here is um, how much is entrepreneurship the idea the concept of entrepreneur pushed into young people in africa let me understand that i mean from the television from the newspaper from the traditional media how much is the concept of entrepreneur pushed to the people i mean it is pushed on a daily basis i mean we watch it all the time turn on the tv you will see um a successful entrepreneur, the storyline will often be a successful entrepreneur. I bet most of the time it's mean. Um, I think um, African media has done a great job of often showcasing female in powerful roles, which kind of help shape um, what we are like as entrepreneurs, but as well as new media. I mean, when... Um, in, in the back in the days when I started doing this and I had a client from Canada tell me that you know you could actually mentor instead of selling your intellectual property because at the time you will create a course and I will sell it for $300, $400, and I, I thought I made it. I mean, I just created some slides and everything and took my knowledge, put it out there and I sold it to somebody for $500. And this 
the past client was like, but hey, your $500, I'm turning it into $100,000 because I've bought the intellectual property and I use it as, uh, as mine and you can't even claim it. And do you know that you can actually do it for yourself? And at the time, I was like, and nobody trying to learn nothing from an African girl. Like, you know, if I come out here and say that, you know what, I can teach you to do that. Nobody will believe that, um, that it's capable, you're capable of doing that as an African. And it, one thing he, he kind of like he catered me on was the fact that they were already doing so, but they just didn't know it. But even then I was like, this man is delusional. He's living in some kind of white privilege. <laughs> and he really cannot understand my reality. But the seed was there. And um, a couple of months afterward, I was like, you know what? If I can find Africans doing this at a global scale, then I believe that would be my permission to do so. And when I started looking at that, then I saw the likes of Vusi, um, Vusi Tembequayo, I saw the likes of Tony Edumelo, I saw the likes of Dr. Dambisa, and I started reading their stories. And I was like, you know what? These are African kids. These are the, your African child. And as much as I was like, Tony Edumelo, yeah, I can identify, but ah, bruh, made his money in banking. I ain't trying to get into banking. No, I'm not going back to that sector. Because at the time, I just studied for economics, and I was like, that sector is cut to cut throat for me. I don't want that. And then I was looking at Dr. Tabisa. I'm like, I am definitely not doing my PhD. I'm not interested in that. But um, there was something about Vusi that I could identify with. Because this was a South African kid from Benoni. If you're South African, and it's not Benoni, the Benoni, the rich side. It's Benoni, the, the, that side of Benoni. But what is the difference between the two? <laughs> the difference, <laughs> but I the difference. The difference is that in Benoni, there's like the rich, rich side, but there's also the more humble side that black people live in. And I could identify with this story. This was a kid from Benoni. I'm a girl from Maitland. <laughs> and if you know Maitland in Cape Town, Maitland is the hood. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's the kind of place when you go to school. Yeah, at school, you you better be ready to use your fist if you want respect. And I could identify with that. I could identify with the fact that, okay, this is a black child. This is a South African. This is somebody that has built and is doing it at a global scale. And I think that gave me permission. This is why it's also important for entrepreneurs as ourselves to build in public. We do not have the luxury of doing things quietly because your story can help the next generation of entrepreneurs to actually give themselves permission to go after the dream. So if we don't use the platforms that we, we have, the traditional as well as the new media platform, which is beautiful that we all today have these opportunities, then we do our continent a disservice because had I not seen those stories in the new media, I don't think I would have followed this path. Uh -huh. All right. Um, this is great. This is great. I, I enjoyed the conversation. Uh, okay. First of all, uh, give us a kind of a background. What, what do you mean by new media? Help people understand it. Oh yeah. New media is blogging. It's what podcasting, it's a YouTube channel, it's your social media. Those are new media 
platforms. One thing that many people don't um, realize is that a lot of people today use social media the way we, our parents in the past, used newspapers. I, I think we're all familiar with the theme where in the morning uh, your dad uh, picks up the newspaper or goes and buys the newspaper and have that with coffee and with breakfast to kind of get a grasp of what's going on in the world. Well, today, People do that with social media. People do that with was uh, YouTube. They wake up in the morning, they get on YouTube to see what's happening. I mean, I watch the news on YouTube. I don't watch traditional TV anymore. I watch everything on YouTube, Netflix, all these things. That's that's literally how I consume content, as well as social media. We are a generation, especially millennials and Gen Zs, are a generation that are essentially digitally native. We, a lot of people, we will learn about things on social media and then see it on, on TV. And most of the time now, social media, new media influences traditional media. If something is trending on social media, I, I guarantee you it's going to get on traditional media because they know that people are going to watch it because they've seen it on Twitter, they've seen it on LinkedIn, they've seen it on Instagram. So we are in a time where independent publishers in terms of traditional medias, magazine, blogs. I mean, look at a lot of magazines today. Look at, at the likes of Instablog, for example, with such a huge community today across the continent and across the Black diaspora. Look at Gist Real. They build media companies on social media. So these are new media and these are platforms that now are open to everybody. And one thing I love about the internet, it has leveraged the field. You can start a media company today with zero dollar. I mean, one, one of my favorite stories, I think that um, it's also an African creators. I love looking at African um, creators. We can look at the lack of, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name, Wodemaya or Tayo Ena on, on YouTube. They've built powerful, media companies on YouTube, on YouTube. And today that's what allows them to create their lives. So that is powerful, it's, it's powerful. New media is a powerful thing because you can't start with zero dollar. Yeah, 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 you're right, you're right. That, that is, the, that is the, where the, the economy is going. Uh, it's not about service, what can you do wherever you are, you have the possibility of able to do something. This is the same uh, opportunity that many people in the world have access to. But of course, we're going to talk more about that just now. In, in um, what what do we need to be able to um, prosper, to to be able to excel in this age of digital economy? Because this is essentially what we are talking about now. Because you just hook yourself up to the greed, and the greed is the internet. And the question is. What are you going to do to people so that they can pay you money? Because from the dawn of time, it has always been about service. If you don't do anything for me, you don't have any right to ask me for money. But if you can render a service to me, then you can ask me for money. It is right. So what kind of skill set, what kind of resources do we need to be able to do this? Looking at what it is today in Africa. That's a beautiful question. And I was actually thinking about it because I was speaking um, the other day with a content creator that we were having a chat with. 
And I think um, one of the, the conversation was that um, she's interested in working with more brands. She's creating this brand, um, the social media account now with her face, which she initially didn't have. And she's like, I don't know how to ask brand for work. But I'm like, you know, the thing is, I think you don't understand because she has built a media brand, which does not have a name, with 100,000 plus followers, subscribers on YouTube. And I'm like, yes, you are a name today, but you have a powerful thing that is even more powerful than a personal brand. And that is that you have a media brand. So the reality is you need to look at what the heck are the skills if you are a content creator, because a lot of people see me, yes, today I'm, a lot of people see me CEO, um, consultant, coach, and everything. But the reality is I'm still a creative. I'm a creator. And that's the one thing that sometimes I feel like creators do not understand the power that they have and the, the strengths that they have in their skills. Listen, all businesses today, especially if you are going to leverage your skills as a creator, um, I would say target B2B, target businesses. And I'll give you the example of a previous client that I had, Andrew. So Andrew came to me, he's from Nigeria. A few years back, I was launching a program and he's like, hey, Tanya, I saw um, that you were launching this program, easy sales and stuff like that. Listen, yeah, I have a content marketing agency and I'm trying to get clients. It's like, what's up? I'm like, cool, this is a program. And be lost to me at the time, Andrew sold his car to pay me. I didn't know because it was just, okay, just give me a couple of days. I will wire the money. And we eventually stopped working together. And one of the things that we came up with was that, okay, what is the fastest route for you to money? And he was like, he's going to leverage working with accounting firms, law firms. And stuff. These are companies that essentially understand that they need to be, have a digital presence. And... Um, do not know even how to start. And this is the reality of most businesses. You have tech founders, you have everything. They are geniuses. You have lawyers that are experts. But the digital native marketing is overwhelming for a lot of them because a lot of them are not millennials that grew up with the internet like ourselves. So we're like, okay, cool. This is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. It goes out. We, uh, we implement the plan within three months um, at the time. It closes around um, over 10 million Naira in contract. And I can't remember the story properly, but it was a couple of, around a couple of thousand, around 30 something thousand dollars in contract and he collected over $10,000. And he was shook it because he was like, the fact that I can do this from Nigeria because one of the things initially was like, no, people would not want to work with me because I'm Nigerian. And he's like, the fact that I can do this from Nigeria, I no longer need to think about leaving the continent because I, I can create my own opportunities. So the, the reality is you need to understand what are you going to offer? What is it that is a strength for you that companies will need, for example? Myself, my strength is that 
I'm a marketer, essentially. I'm a copywriter, I'm a funnel builder, I understand marketing online. And this is what I leveraged to start getting clients. And after you have done that, you need to understand that you need to get in front of these people. How are you going to get in front of these people? The reality is most people don't want to be reached out cold. What are you going to do? What can you leverage that can add value to this person on the first, on, on the first basis? So one of the things that um, my previous clients did was he would reach out to this company and say, hey, and, uh, I know that right now a lot of companies would be looking to go into the digital um, space to market and everything, but can feel overwhelming. And I, I just want to be a resource to you. Can I maybe have a quick call with you and tell you how you could do this yourself? You don't have to pay me. Then what would happen is when you get on the on the call, you will explain what they should do. It will actually give them a plan that they would do. Most of the time, what would happen with those founders, they'll be like, that's cool, but can you do it for us? Because we just don't have the capacity in-house right now. And this is literally how you ended up cl closing all these clients. So identify an offer. Identify who are the best prospects that will have the money to pay you and that are that needs what you have to offer and go and speak to them, but add value first. And outside of that, that is the shortest most of the time, most clients that I work with today find me through the fact that I write uh, on social media. One, one client told me that I know that from 6.30 to 7.30, you are going to post something, a short article on your profile on LinkedIn. I write, I create content on YouTube, I have a podcast, I have events that are turned into a podcast that creates a community and also feels that I'm adding to the community at the same time. So I, am, I have created and I am in the process still of creating my own media house within the business because that is what that kind of it's kind of like putting a flower in front of bees because people that are, would be interested in what you have to offer are the ones that are going to pay attention to what you do and it makes it easy if especially if you create content that would speak to your ideal client so if um like my my previous client he Create, he started creating content around lawyers and accountants leveraging uh, content to get clients on autopilot. So that eventually started bringing, building his pipeline. So do that, identify your offer, and use your content as a front-end offer that will be free or not free, because there's a way you can do that with magazines as well and stuff. And that would create your pipeline because people that will often subscribe, that will often subscribe to your newsletter. So are people that are interested in what you, you speak of. So you need to leverage content as strategically as you can to draw a crowd around yourself that is in real estate, they call it farming. So it's kind of like farming where you put everybody that will be of interest to what you do or, and that will be interested in your office in the long run together. So you leverage new media to start building your pipeline and that will then create clients for the bigger services that you offer. 
now, I really appreciate what you're saying here. It makes a lot of sense uh, because if you look at um, the global population today, you look at Africa, for example, that we happen to be the youngest in terms of population demography in the world. And the internet is like the food for the younger generation. So we don't have any reason why the economy of Africa will not take up this time. Because what it requires is at our fingertip. Okay, I understand that we might need infrastructure. That we might also touch a little bit. Uh, but maybe we might sort of have a backdoor into it that if you can tap into the global economy, you can have money. If you can have money, then you can build infrastructure. So that uh, mm -hmm. those things that we, we used to say that the government need to do it for us so that we can have it, we can then do it for ourselves and then let the government take care of this. Uh, if I, we can even buy the government because what it takes is the money. If we have the money, then yeah. we can buy our freedom and even buy our own government. In this sense, we can actually buy our freedom by being able to be relevant in the market. So I want you to speak to me about this big dream that I have that African population, the younger generation, have the power in their hands. Is it possible? Can we even dream of that? Absolutely, it is possible. And if anybody looks at me, uh, you can, I'm definitely telling you it is possible. I'm an African girl. Don't let this accent fool you. I'm 100% African, um, grew up in Africa from African parents, like 100, 100. And you creating your own economy is a possibility. And even if you don't look at me in terms of creating a business, look at how many influencers today by building a following are able to make a lot of money. Look at the, the Bibi Naja phenomenon, how these people end up becoming multimillionaires, even when they don't win the big money, you have um, their fans raising money for them because they love them and everything. So it's really important that you that we all understand that today we no longer have the excuse to say that the government cannot do it for us. We can create our own economy. You can become a freelancer. So I'll give you an example of I was recently working with um, a developer. Um, and it was like, you know what? I don't know how to market myself. I don't know how to... To, to get these clients and everything. So what happens is that um, I'm like, okay, cool. Can we have a session? Can we have a quick session? Let's jump on a quick call because I was working with him in the capacity of, of a coach. So I'm like, tell me what you do. And this is a formula I'm going to teach anybody listening to this. So if you are listening to this, you're watching this, or maybe just give you a $1,000, $2,000 session for free. Um, because, yeah, that's what I charge. What you're going to do, you're going to say, okay, this is what I do. Let's say, for example, um, I do digital marketing for banks. So we are going to create your value proposition. You do digital marketing for banks. Okay, why? You're going to ask, the, the essentially, you're going to ask five whys. Three to five whys should be able to give you your value proposition. Why? Because most banks don't know how to market themselves digitally. Why? Well, because if they don't market themselves digitally, 
most people, most of the millennials and Gen Zs are not really to pay, going to pay attention to them. But why would, would they need to do that? Well, the landscape of the landscape of the financial sector, and I'm doing this right now, just resume off the bat. The landscape of the financial sector is being disrupted and it is changing. So why should they care? Well, because if they don't do it, fintech are gonna take um, most of their clients because they are more innovative and are digital um, native. So why? Finally, the final why? Well, they will end up losing all businesses and close down. Now, if you now take all the answers that we would have worked out and you now start adding it together, that is a powerful um, value proposition. Because then when you go to a bank and tell them that, listen here, I can help your bank um, market yourself digitally because the, the, the financial landscape is changing and the way you are currently doing marketing, you are not speaking to millennials and Gen Zs and the fintech space is going to take over the market and you're going to end up closing down your business. I guarantee you that CEO will be like, okay, Obey, can we get on the call and tell me more? That's powerful. <laughs> That's powerful. It, it's all about it's all about the strategy, though. No? And of course, sometimes the strategy is something that you learn after a lot of mistakes. You're going to make millions of mistakes. Then after that, you are going to develop, uh, think back because your your skill is going to be strong now because you have gathered all the experience. You know what is, you cannot know what is success or see until you know what is failure. So you cannot just uh, hope of more money, more, more it must be more service. But you're able to give more service after you know what does it work. It is from there you know what works because you know everything now. So money for you becomes something that you just call for and it gets to you, you know, because you know what it, how it works. But yeah, I like the strategy. And I wanted to speak a bit about uh, choosing your client or a, a branch of your client this time, the niche. You were saying before that you should concentrate on the B2B um, sector. I wanted to speak about that a bit. Why do you think that is important for content creators specifically? Okay, uh, before we go into that, I just wanna say something. One of the things also that has helped me um, get to where I am is not only making mistakes, but also um, bypassing the mistakes by working with coaches and mentors. Because if I had not done that, I would not necessarily um, have been where I am today. So I've worked with leadership coach. I have worked with a business coach. I've worked with a marketing coach. I've worked with a copywriting coach. So one of the things I definitely want to say, if you have the resources, definitely look at working or somebody that has done that before so that they can be able to help you bypass the mistakes because let's say for example like for my previous client it did that in three months for me to get to that level it it, it might it took me longer because i i was stubborn in not working with uh with coaches because i was like ah these people are just after my money but afterwards when i i hit my wall against my head against the wall a number of times i was like you know what your girl gotta go learn because you need to cut down your 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 shoulders and like yeah, submit to somebody to learn. And so, so if you have the resources, the financial resources to work with incubators and stuff like that, definitely advise you to do that because that is going to save you two years of your time. I promise you. Because the time it took me to start being able to work with 
um, higher level corporate clients and everything. Um, if I can teach you that today, how to close a million dollar contract, how to, close, how to structure a multi six figure, figure contract, you would get there far faster than I did. Now, as for why to focus on B2B, B2B understand the need to invest in the business. Entrepreneurs generally uh, would sacrifice themselves to ensure that the business succeeds. I've seen entrepreneurs, I've been an entrepreneur, and you sometimes will not pay yourself and pay your employees. So they understand the, the need to invest in order to grow, in order to get to places. Now, business B2B is they understand the need to pay for services. It's often um, very difficult, and I say this with love, um, to get people for example, I don't work with uh, people that are just starting out. I have courses. I have a course or two to help you if you are just starting out. But like to work with me personally, I no longer have the patience to do that because the, the, the grit that I require you to show up with is very different to somebody that is just trying to be an, uh, an obvious, is trying to get a, a side business. So like side hustlers and stuff, I really work with them because the grit and require you to show up with is very different. So entrepreneurs understand the need to put the work. They understand the need to show up. They understand what is failure, what is investment, what is what is the cost of investment, what is the return on investment. So really, do you need to explain that more than once if it, you can showcase your 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 value proposition and how you add value to them. So that's why I often advise, yeah, B2B, this is where I've been. Um, of course, there are some people that are succeeding. I mean, I know people that have succeeded um, making a substantial of amount of money working primarily with people, but I have found that the people that have the most success are people working with businesses. And that is um, whether you work with businesses primarily online or you work with businesses that are traditional businesses. Most people that support businesses are the ones that usually make it a lot faster. What would you say is your best uh, content marketing strategy? Since we are saying we are looking at people that are creating content today, what to help them also understand how they can better leverage the content that they are creating to make money from it? And, and to grow, why not? To expand. And for you to do that, of course, you're going to have a strategy, you're going to have a plan of how to move from point A to point B. So what would you recommend as the best strategy for content creator so they can grow? Okay, um, I'm just going to quickly give you, it's, it's complex. Um, I have a system called the Content um, Marketing Ecosystem. Um, playbook that I developed after a few years of doing this. And the content marketing ecosystem playbook is a, a combination of a number of things. First of all, one of the combinations um, of that playbook is exactly what we are doing here is me getting on your podcast. Because when I'm getting in front of your podcast, I'm getting in front of your audience. So it's grabbing attention. It's actually based on what is called EDA. So you either which is a copywriting uh, framework which is attention interest desire and action 
So this is usually how most of us most of us make decisions. We will something will grab our attention, then we'll become interested in that, then we develop a desire for it, and then we take action. Same thing if you are asking a girl out bruh, y'all know that's how it goes. So she grabs your attention. Okay, I'm interested in the girl. Ah, let me talk to her. Let me see how to get her to talk to me. And then eventually you take action and start um, chasing the girl. You know, so use the same strategy with business. I love to give the analogy of dating in business because you will be surprised how similar these fields are. It's mind-boggling. So you you leverage other people's platforms, other people's uh, audiences to start building your own audience. This is one of the things that we do. And you identify these people should be people, the audience that you should go after is people that have your actual audience, the people that you want to talk to. And then as you build that audience, you also now start creating content that are of interest to them. Like with me, because I work, my agency is primarily go to market for tech consulting firms. If you start looking at the weaving of my content, it appeals to people that are either building consulting businesses, building tech businesses, have um, either of those two businesses or are trying to take a product to market. Those are the people that, if as I'm talking to you, if you start looking at this, you'll be like, okay, this. If you look at it, you are in my audience probably because you also want to build a consulting business. So the aim is to create content that is of interest and relevant to the people that you want to speak to, and then leverage desire to create desire. You wanna have storytelling. If anybody that watches my content, you will see, I love to tell stories because stories is one of the way, one of the best way to get under people's resistances because we love stories. I mean, I don't know about you, when I was a kid, when my grandfather would say, let me tell you a story, my, I would not move an inch because I was so busy concentrating on the stories and a lot of those stories till today i know them and that's because subconscious we are storytellers and we we are mod we are a, a specimen that use models for what i mean by that is that um let i'll give you another example dating so you date a guy or you date a girl and the, the relationship is toxic and you're like, I'm done, I'm done. So next time you meet another person, when you see the same, the 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 the, the, the symptoms that you saw there that was toxic, what do you do? You run. Because what happened is that you have created a model and a framework to identify risk, problems, and solutions. So we use stories to understand, and we use the facts that we get from stories to create models in our mind. So that is a beautiful thing if you understand the psychological traits from humans, because primarily what I do is psychology-based marketing. Once you understand that, you can replicate that in your content marketing. So what is it that you want people to know if they had to work with you?
you need to replicate that. And you need to find stories that teach those facts and then bring it back to your offer. Because once you do that, subconsciously, you're helping your prospects, your clients to develop their models based on your own model. So it makes it easy that when they are ready to take action, you become the only logical choice because you are the one who help them frame the model for the problem in the head. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. And, and here, of course, we live in story. <laughs> you will read that here that everyone has a story to share. We believe so much in story. In fact, um, I'm working on a three-part book uh, just now about uh, storytelling, how content uh, creators should use story. But there, I will say that uh, ethnic content creator is a storyteller at heart. Because that is what we do. Sure. Uh, we actually tell a story. We are creating story. We are retelling them. We are, that is basically everything that we do. All right. Now, just for the sake of, of the conversation, you are a storyteller. I'm a storyteller. Uh, now, for those that are listening to us, what type of story should they concentrate on in their marketing? You want to have a, I'll give you an example. And when you go back, you look at it. You want to have a David to go. I'll give you Calendly and you'll understand why Calendly is a multi-billion um, dollar company right now. You want to have an origin story. Look at Calendly. They share um, a lot of stories about how the, the founder um, came to America from Nigeria and everything and everything. They share a lot of that story. And look at it a lot of, how many, look at most Africans when they use these things, these um, Calendly, those calendar scheduler, most of them use Calendly because it's ah, ah, this one, now our own, ah, now our own. This is our story, you get it? So that's, you wanna have an origin story. You then wanna have a David and Goliath story. And David and Goliath's story is usually, like it sounds, it's you taking on the world. Look, uh, the story is still currently where he started the product and he ran out of money. So he, the, the, the business became a product-led uh, business by mistake because he didn't have money to go to market. So he just let people use the product and he went viral. So now when we all know that story, we're like, oh, this is this is David. He took on Goliaths and he won. And we rally behind these stories. These type of two stories definitely um, help you um, how to make, how to connect to the thing. And another story is one that I teach is a conversion story and it draws on different, it, I couldn't possibly um, explain it on the podcast right now, but it draws on different types of storytelling to sell. Because a conversion story is primarily a story where the person that you that is watching, reading the story, we, uh, we primarily use it on webinars, in content, in seeing um, in content that I'm meant to sell, in emails. These are stories that are aimed at ensuring that the person consuming the content with a purpose to convert, convert because they can see themselves in the story. So these type of three stories, when leveraged, yeah, definitely quickest path to money. All oh, right, all oh, right. That's powerful. That's powerful there. 
Now, you also said before that you use psychology. You're basically a psychology marketer, no? Uh, that it, you use a lot of psychology in the market. Anyway, anyway, any marketer must use psychology because you are uh, tickly with the mind of the people. How on earth can you do that without psychology? So, <laughs> but I want, <laughs> Most that. marketers don't, eh? You'll be surprised. Most marketers don't use psychology. And I think for me, I have to thank uh, the fact that... Um, I started, when I studied economics, we it, there was a subject at the University of South Africa that was compulsory called behavioral psychology. And that actually made it possible for me to understand psycho um, how people make decisions because it was it was initially for people that are going into investment and um, investment to understand the people so that they can sell investment packages, financial planners and stuff like that. So I now leverage that um, in marketing. Because essentially, marketing is a form of investment for businesses. But but I think it, it would be wrong uh, for us not to try and understand a bit of psychology if we want to get it get into marketing. Because how are we good? I think it's a, it's an error. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it is. If a as a marketer, as an entrepreneur doing your own marketing, you don't understand the psychological triggers that leads to conversions, you have a very difficult time to deliver results for your clients and even for yourself mm -hmm. that's it all right that's another keyword there um client and acquisition now uh what has been your major challenges of uh, uh of getting clients i know that for all of us we do have challenges it's not just uh this is what i want you just uh, blink your eye you have it it's not like that though no? we all have challenges but when we have overcome these challenges now then we will be able to get what, what we want. So, you personally, what have been your challenges in terms of client acquisition? I think one of the initial challenges is speaking to the wrong segment of the of the market. I think this is what most entrepreneurs do that end up costing them time, money, and everything. It's speaking to the wrong segment of the market and also not answering not being clear you, you know the thing is, is clarity uh, with marketing it's clarity you need to be clear somebody needs to understand what you do before you they can speak to you and i think in the initial stages of my career i didn't understand that i said that okay i'm the best i was at do i know how to do this and that and that so i'm going to do that and that ended up costing me uh, time tears and pain, a lot of pain. So speak to the right segment of the market. And that's the thing you need to understand with niching. A lot of people make the mistake with niching um, that they think that niching is just focusing on one market, one set of people, but niching is different. And a perfect example is, for example, Uber, if um, Airbnb, all these big companies bold, you will understand that they have two sets of clients. They have one, the person that is looking to build an extra stream of income or be an independent worker, and then they have the people looking for the service. So it's the question is never all is never who I must niche to one particular market. I don't believe in niching in one market. I believe in niching horizontally, which is you niche with the service that you offer. 
like me, we offer this go-to-market to consulting, SaaS, and fintech because more or less they, they, they are essentially the same thing. Even with banks, we work with banks as well. And it's still service. So it's still, banks are essentially consulting on our behalf. They consult you on your money. They manage your money for you. They're no different than an accountant. So you just need to understand who are you trying to speak to and have clarity. You want to get to a point that when they think, you see, when we're thinking about traveling, I want affordable housing that is self-scattering, we all come up with Airbnb. When we want to go out, we don't have a car to drive, I'm going to Uber day. Because immediately Uber, Bolt, whatever you use, has been integrated in your mind as a solution to a certain problem, a certain category. And you want to get to a point where whatever you offer, when prospects think of that category, they think of you. And this is how we buy. We think category, what is the problem? Then we immediately go through our directories of solutions. And when we don't have that directory of solutions in our head, that's when most of us now start going on the internet, looking for solutions on the internet to find a solution. But the easiest way for you to get clients is that when people are going through that thought process, instead of having to go to the internet to start looking at different solutions, which when they do that, they start making decisions based on price. You want to be the one that when they think about this category of the problem, the solution, they immediately think of your name. And when you are able to do that, it's the quickest path to money as a content creator, as a business, as a service provider. You hit a, uh, um, you hit a very important point there, uh, which is um, that as content creator, we are actually in the business of mediating. In that somebody somewhere is asking, uh, how can I get a red shoe today for my size? And mm-hmm. the person doesn't yet know from the directory that the person has in his head. Then he go to Google and type on Mr. Google, where can I get a red shoe for my size? Okay, now they put the size. Now, Google doesn't have the resources because Google is going to type into the resources that are already there put in by the people. And these people... Mm-hmm. Are you and me? Because we are the content creator. Maybe in your exactly. article, in your content, you write how to get red type of uh, shoe or the best type of red shoe. So if Google exactly. is a search engine, I just and they find okay, yes, the red type of shoe. Then the Google show that one to the audience who is going who is looking for it. That's than exactly the audience. that. So I want you to speak about that. Are we not supposed to understand that we are in this business and we are in a powerful position in the business, actually? Because it's a question of that person one time who wants to buy a pair of shoes. You are helping the person to find a solution. And then you are going to make money from that. I don't know if you want to spend some time elaborating on that. That's exactly that. That's a, um, that's the purpose of content. And this is why um, content creators need to understand that they are in the business of marketing. Because what I just explained to you before is how people decide to start, start searching for content. Um, and how they do that is through a 
thought process. And if you are able to start doing that, because I might be looking for the best type of shoe, but I'm not ready to buy right now. So I will probably um, look for what is the best type of red shoe for a curvy woman. For example, I'm just giving an example. So at that point, I'm looking um, at what they, 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 they call in marketing, middle of the funnel. I'm in the middle of the funnel and I'm trying to establish what will be the best solution for me. But now the problem most marketers do, they focus on bottom of the funnel. Because the other thing, if you can capture me at middle of the funnel and you have also bottom of the funnel content, I am more likely to convert and do business with you. And this is one thing that I actually I wrote a few weeks back or months back about the mistake that most consultants do, especially when it comes to responding to RFPs, which is requests for proposals, even those that do marketing. A lot of them focus on top of the final content and don't have middle of the final or bottom of the final. So at the point like somebody might have affinity with your brand and know you, they know that, okay, Tanya can do this for me and can deliver on that. But um, they don't really know what you're doing. They don't have clarity. They don't have clarity on your system. They don't know exactly how they're going to work with you. Your, the structure that needs to be there to get them to convert is not there. So what is going to happen is that Tanya is going to be invited. They're going to get some information from you, get couple of information from everybody because even when you, you're responding to a proposal by the government, most of the time people buying the services are not experts like you. So their request for information, they, they, they are looking to establish what is the best possible solution. And then eventually what they do, then they're like, okay, this is what it's supposed to look like. Here's now a procurement process, submit your proposal. Now you are competing on every, with everybody on price. And anybody that is in government contracting will tell you the best way to, to win multi-million dollar contract is to be the resource that they need to learn from. Because the minute that you are the resource that people need to learn from, you become a category of one and you are not comparable to the others. Because you help shape the solution that they need, it is be, it's so difficult for another business now to do that. And this is a principle that is known in government contracting and in the inner circles of marketing called as ghosting. This is when you see a marketer tell you that I'm ghosting this client. That means I am shaping this this the solution to an extent that it's only me that can be able to deliver that. Even if I give it to you and you say, I'm going to go with somebody else, they will not be able to deliver on the, the actual thing. So that's what content creators and essentially marketers are supposed to do. Thank you so much for that, Tanya. I appreciate that. Now, um, it is also right for you to spend a few seconds to promote what you're doing. This is the time for you. How can people connect with you? Tell them what they can benefit from you, how to reach you. Okay, so you can definitely connect with me on LinkedIn. Just search my name, Tanya Cabria. Reach out to me via DMs. I'm open. I'm an open book. As well, you if you are looking to learn about marketing, you can check out my YouTube channel, Tanya Cabria. You will find me there. And I also have a podcast called Beast Talk with Tanya, where you will hear a lot more of a lot of insight on 
building a business, decisions that I'm making, how I am making this decision, what are leading to these decisions, as well as certain thoughts that some content that are not even shared on my YouTube channel, such as self-leadership and a number of other topics that sometimes I'll just record and share on the podcast. So if you connect with me on the podcast or check my check out my YouTube channel, you'll definitely find something relevant and connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm definitely loving LinkedIn. I'm going to be releasing some more media-related projects. Um, one of my passions right now is changing the narrative about Africa and changing the narrative about entrepreneurship in Africa. So connect with me because I'll be sharing a lot more of that in 2023 and I'm working on something really exciting to change that. And I hope that you come with me on that journey. That's lovely. All of you, check out Tanya for what she's doing. She's doing excellent work. Of course, you can see from what she's saying. That is absolutely, absolutely important. All right, Tanya, to conclude the conversation, what would be your final thought here? Uh, it can be a message. It can be the kind of uh, a point that you wanted to say. I didn't ask you that. So go ahead and do that to conclude it. I think for uh, one of my things is I would say to any entrepreneur is that, oh, somebody aspiring to be an entrepreneur, wanting to start something and finding excuses, is decide to start. And you don't have to, to have the complete picture. I mean, um, I always say that God never gives you the complete picture. He gives it, he gives it to you one step at a time. And if you hear my journey, I started as a freelancer, started doing this, then eventually went this way. So it will give you um, one step at a time, but it wants you to take action. And when you start taking actions and you start listening to the cues that it's giving to you, you are going to build the life that you are going to, you are wanting to build. So take a step, start, start that journey, start putting yourself out there, start creating content. You doesn't, it doesn't have to be perfect. I mean, if you go to my channel, go to the first video, hmm, I, I have debated about hiding it, um, but I, I love keeping it because to show you the journey and I'm still building, it's still a journey. So you want to start and eventually you will get there. I appreciate the time. I appreciate also the sharing and the conversation. And certainly this is not the last time we are going to be talking about this. Uh, we're certainly going to touch some other area because I can see that you have a lot of important and valuable points uh, for the community. So we surely will be coming back again. So thank you so much. No problem. No problem. I look forward to that. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you subscribe so you never miss any of our future episodes. Rate and review Obehead Podcast and share with your friends who might need it. I remain Obehead A14. Thank you so much for listening and talk to you in the next episode.